Let's face it, running a construction company can be chaotic. As business owners, we wear a lot of hats and we're constantly putting out fires. Luckily, there's a way to work simpler with Builder Trend. I'm a huge advocate for using technology to help run AFT, and Builder Trend is one of the most crucial tools I rely on to keep me on top of every detail. Built just for home builders and remodelers, this is an easy-to-use platform that helps manage all aspects of my business. My team's been using Builder Trend's project management platform for the last five years, and we love that they're always improving and adding new features to make our lives easier. This is something that we've really tried to take on internally to find ways to improve our system every day. Builder Trend just released a full set of financial services, added new tools like Takeoff to make estimates more accurate, and launched a total rebrand with a new mission to help change the future of construction, and we are on board. To learn more about how Build-A-Trend can help calm the chaos in your construction business, visit buildatrend.com backslash AFT. When you schedule a demo, you'll receive an exclusive 60-day money-back guarantee only available to my podcast listeners. I'm following Build-A-Trend into the future in construction. Come on board with us. We are super excited to announce that we have our fourth Contractor Coalition Summit happening in Austin, Texas this fall. Come out and visit with us on September 14th. Conference will end on Sunday, September 17th. We're going to have an amazing collection of builders all throughout the country. Some amazing vendors will be there in support. We're also going to have a session on construction instruction with Mark LaLiberté, which is going to be part of the summit. Just amazing content, networking, ways that all of us can enhance our brand, our product, and especially our organization looking down to the very core of who we are as builders and how we're operating to make sure that we're operating at the highest level, the camaraderie and the knowledge shared between all the builders, the teachers that come to instruct are super valuable. So make sure you sign up for the Contractor Coalition Summit. Again, whether you're a new company just starting out in your first couple of weeks of business or you're a seasoned company, there's going to be plenty of information, super valuable to attend. So we'll see you in Austin. If someone's got a big following on social media, you don't want them to be posting about how Providential or whoever didn't serve you. I'm constantly aware. I'm constantly thinking about that stuff. I'm constantly thinking about our reputation and just taking care of people. I think that's what keeps me up at night the most. Welcome to the AFT Construction Podcast, and we have Isaac Wright on with us today. Welcome, Isaac. Hey, guys. Excited to have you on. So Isaac is second-generation builder with Providential Custom Homes, and uh, I guess we should define maybe what second-generation builder is, you know, as that title. I mean, I know you're probably not putting that on your business card, but maybe for the audience, you know, walk through a little bit about what that entails for you. Yeah, so... Um... My dad started uh, in construction when he was 19 years old. He is turning 65 this year. And so he's been um, in the world of construction for uh, quite some time. Started out in the cabinet shop, sweeping the floors, went into doing trim carpentry, started his own framing uh, company and did custom home framing for many years and uh, built some of the, at one time, the largest registered home in our county um, during the 80s. And so he was... Um, he really grabbed a hold of that, and uh, you know he saw the builders driving around in the pretty truck and thought, "Man, that's got to be an easy job. I, I think I'll go after that." And quickly realized <laughs> it's not an easy job at all. So um, I just grew up around it, watching him, and uh, grabbed a hold of it around uh, high school. Realized that I think this is what I want to do, and um, just haven't turned back ever since. So just uh, second generation really means following the footsteps of him and, and leading the company into bigger and better things. So, and we could break that apart a couple of different ways, but I think first and foremost, um, what, what, what was the epiphany or the light that came on that you're like, I want to do this, having watched your dad and realizing, you know, how difficult it is to be in this industry. Um, cause from afar, it looks great, right? You get to build these amazing yeah. projects, but the reality is it's, it's a lot more risky and complex than people realize. Um, any reservation you had going into construction, building, you know, following the footsteps of your dad? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I started out in high school just doing, helping out wherever. I mean, I was sweeping the floors. I was helping the framers. I was moving materials. And just, that was just a summer job. And, and when I was doing all that, I realized kind of the, the bigger purpose behind why we do what we do. And, and really for us, that is, we, we say all the time, we don't build houses, we build homes. And um, you get to work with some really cool families, really cool people. And um, when you build with that mentality that you're building a home for someone that they're going to make memories in and grow families in, 
it becomes a lot more meaningful than just, um, you know, scheduling people and, and um, inspecting and going through the, you know, the hot summer days like we're in right now where it's hard to walk a foundation and make sure it's right before a pour, but it's necessary. And when you think through that, through that lens of a bigger perspective, it, it makes it all worth it. But um, I just got into it doing that. And I think right around the end of uh, high school, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do for college. And so I decided to do a two-year associates, associates in construction management and went to a local community college, worked all through college. Um, I would, I would work all day and, uh, go to college at night and I was still doing manual labor stuff all through then. I wasn't even a man in a management position. And even up until I graduated college was in a management position, I was still in the mindset that I'm, I'm doing this because this is what the family does. I enjoyed it, but I didn't really have that ownership mentality and uh, didn't really picture it, you know, with a, a big purpose. I couldn't really think outside of just project management and building houses and working with customers. I, I didn't, I didn't see the old, whole other half of it of the, you know, working with the architects and the designers and the, the contracts and the estimates and just getting into the weeds of what it takes to get a home from sales all the way through to move in. And, um, just started uh, listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and started learning more about the business. And that's when I realized, I think this is really what I want to do. Um, and not to mention my, you know, getting out of college, I, I had some things that I learned, but everyone knows you learn so much out in the field and just getting in the big middle of it. And uh, my dad set me aside and he said, Hey, if there's anything that you learned that could help advance this company, I want you to share it. I want you to, like share it with me. I'm not going to be the, he says all the time, I'm not going to be the old guy that just says, Nope, I know it all. We don't need to do that. We don't need to learn that. And so that gave me the freedom to just run. And so that allowed me to just start diving into more and more things. And when I dove more and more into, into learning, I, uh, I found myself really enjoying this business and, um, you know, learning from people like you who have this mindset that, this business is, is much more than just, you know, how many homes can we build and how much money can we make? And that's not, that's not our mindset behind it. You're, you get to work with a lot of really neat people. And like I said earlier, we're not just building houses, we're building homes. Um, and when you get to do that with, with craft and with care, it just makes it really meaningful. So let me ask you this. What's interesting, Isaac, I, and maybe, you know, I know you can have to speak on behalf of your dad a little bit, but one of the biggest struggles as I meet with young um, people coming into construction, into their career, especially when their parents had a company, they're coming into the organization. It's funny. It's always the opposite. All of them are like, Hey, Brad, I'm having an issue. You know, I have these ideas or, and yeah. it's just my, my, my dad doesn't want to do it or my mom doesn't want to do it. And so what's interesting is you've had the complete opposite where your dad's just like, Hey, Isaac, I want you to come to me. I want you to have the freedom. Where, where does that mindset come from? Where did that, um, you know, maybe a little bit about him and, you know, maybe, maybe it's a company culture thing to where he's a little bit more open and adaptive to ideas and suggestions you may have. Yeah, that's, that's a really good um, question and thought process. And I, I think it comes from both of us being humble and having the mindset that neither of us know it all. I think that, I, and I know people like this, I know older generation and fathers that their sons have come into the company and the father has been like, hey, if you want to have this company, you're going to have to rebuild it the way that I built it up. And um, my dad's not like that. I have, I have a brother, I have a younger sister, I have an older brother. And he's like that with all of us. Um, he's, he wants to help. He wants to, um, to raise up. He's not this old crotchety man that just wants to, to make you go earn it type of type of mentality. He's like, no, I've, I've built this to pass down and to build a legacy with my family. And, um, I don't take that lightly either. I don't take advantage of that. I don't ever want to be the type of guy that's like, oh, this is, I don't ever use the card that this is my dad's business. I just, I want people to meet me as me and I'm not going to throw the card like 
let's just say a contractor's not, you know, getting a hold of me fast enough. I'm not going to be the type of guy that's like, hey, I'm going to, you know, my dad's going to call you type of thing. Um, and so um, we, we work really well together. And I think a lot of that has to come from setting aside our pride, realizing that neither of us know it all. Um, he's allowed me to come in and bring new ideas, but I've also been open and receptive to the wisdom, knowing that he's been doing this for way longer than I have. He's gone through so many downturns, so many cycles. We went through 2008. I mean, we, he tells me stories. I wasn't, I was a kid. I wasn't in the business, but he tells me stories about, you know, we had $10,000 in the bank and barely, I mean, we, he was continuing to pay the entire team the same exact salary and taking multiple, multiple pay cuts to be able to, it was just taking it down to nothing just to be able to keep the team rolling. And um, it's, that just kind of tells you what, what kind of person he is and his partner Ty is, is like that too. They both do the same thing. They've been together for many years and um, both of them are like that. Both of them want to raise up the next generation and they don't have the mentality that if, if you're going to run this company or lead this company, that you've got to go start from scratch. So what does that look like? And I, I, I love the humbleness approach, right? Uh, the humility there that's in essence goes into the core of your system where you guys are believing in building homes on houses and, and really just yeah. shines in how you hear you are on the podcast, right? Your dad's giving you full reign with his partner, Ty, is there complexity with the partnership complexity? Now you're coming in, right? Hungry, ambitious, yeah. you know, dynamic, you know, how does that communication and organization either communicated or the expectations set, you know, just as, you know, families evolve over time? Yeah, it's, uh, it's still a work in progress. Um, and they're, they're, I'm still not in a, in an ownership position and, um, my dad and Ty still have all ownership of the company. I like to say all the time that I, I'm, I'm like shadow leading. I'm, uh, I'm kind of like behind the scenes, but pushing the company to where I feel like it's going to go in the future, but obviously screening that through, Hey, this is still your company. This isn't my company. Um, Ty has been extremely uh, upfront and open about, you know, he's like, I don't want to be the partner that, that ruins a, a father son legacy and relationship. And, uh, and he's empowered me to, to go and learn. He's, he's taught me so much and, and taken me under his wing too. So both of them just have so much wisdom that they want to share. Um, and I'm just, I'm just, I'm patient. I'm, I'm, uh, I've gotten impatient many times and had hard conversations with my dad just up, up until about a year, two years ago that I'm like, I think I can go do this on my own. Like, I don't feel like I'm growing fast enough. I don't think, feel like I'm moving fast enough. And, and every time I, I get to that place, I kind of take a step back and go, how long would it take me to rebuild the reputation in the company that this company has currently? And when I think about that, I'm like, I'll be, I'll be a startup for 10 years to get back to where we're at now to where, I mean, we have an incredible reputation of, of care, quality craftsmanship in our, in our market. And uh, more and more people are getting used to, you know, recognizing the name with that, recognizing that Providential does things right. And um, it would take a long time to rebuild that. And, uh, and so I'm just, I'm just being patient um, and uh, and just kind of waiting until it, it's time. It's not quite time yet, but um, they both have the intention that that would be the, the next move is uh, I would come into an ownership position, but we're not quite sure how that will all play out just yet. Yeah, I was just going to ask that because I, the patience is so important. It's so hard, right? I, I, even though I, I may be a little bit older than you, Isaac, I think I'm pretty impatient at times too. We, uh, mm -hmm. we all want to run before we can walk. And, um, you know, part of it just, I think that's personality. There's competitiveness. There's also, um, you know, I think there's, there's potential we know we can get. We just need the opportunity. As you look at that, I know a lot of companies um, – need to spend more time. I, I think I'm the same. Every company, you know, it's one thing as, as a business owner, when you're like, okay, we're focusing on the business. Like we're figuring out, you know, the day-to-day -day stuff, how we're going to get through this. And then you get to a point where you're kind of graduating to the next level as a company. And you're like, okay, well, we kind of have systems and processes. Now I need to focus, you know, 
on the business, but not the day to day, but on, you know, right. where we're going, you know, so strategy and vision and, um, yeah. you know, just planning for the future. And then you get to the point where you're like, okay, well, what's the exit strategy? What is, what does the future look like? Am I, am I going to sell this? I'm going to hand this off to my children. Um, from your side, I would imagine that conversation is probably happening more now with Ty and your father, you know, although it's not set in stone, I'd imagine those conversations are happening and figured, okay, well now we got Isaac and he's pretty ambitious, you know, yeah. what are we going to do? We're going to create valuation and, and sell him some ownership. Yeah. It's, um, the conversations are definitely happening behind the scenes. I know, I mean, being, you know, close to my dad, my dad is, my dad and I have just been close ever since I was a little kid. I remember going around riding on, riding in the truck, walking around on job sites at three, four or five years old and just hanging out with dad. And so, you know, we have those late night phone calls and conversations about just what's running through our brain. And, and that, uh, that type of conversation happens a lot. And, um, yeah, it's like I said, we're, we're still hashing through it, but, um, the time will come when it's, when it, when it's, when it's ready. Um, I just don't know when. I'm, I I definitely want that. I'm the type of guy that's like my dad told me one time. He uh, he actually said this to to Ty. He said, um, "Not many people know this, but you know, my dad made a comment to Ty. He said he said, hey, Isaac's a racehorse, and if we don't let him run, he's going to leave.' <laughs> so <laughs> they they've uh, I don't know about quite about that, but um, they've they've definitely given me room to run and given me a lot of responsibility and I'm, I'm extremely thankful for that so i think that's what's what's keeping me going and uh, keeping me excited for what's coming in the future without you know just being an, an owner and leading the company that way they've given me a lot of things to lead um i've got entire neighborhoods and cities that i'm doing every single thing that my dad and ty do the, all the project management all the contracts all the students i'm taking oh homes and and customers from selling from being sold on the company signing their client service agreement all the way to handing them the keys and i'm leading that entire process and so that's given me um, a huge training ground to just learn all aspects of the business and i think that's been a really good test for me and for them to see hey does this he have what it takes to to be able to do this in the future now um as you look at what the company is to where it was before you came into on board, I'd imagine that you're really big on systems and organization and especially being younger generation are a little bit more savvy than us older folks, right? As far as computers and all that good stuff. Yeah. How, how does that look like now from a project management side, the company today, as opposed to maybe five or 10 years ago? Yeah. Five or 10 years ago, uh, what you would see is a lot of paper calendars, uh, maybe some, some old Excel spreadsheets with some checklists and things like that. Uh, a lot of lot more whiteboards than there are now. We still use whiteboards like crazy, just because it's good to get your get your mind off of things. But um, about I think 2019, we signed up for Builder Trend, and um, my dad had up until that point built what's called a lateral project management spreadsheet, and it's about a five to six hundred item list from everything from putting signage on the lot to handing keys to the homeowners of how to build. And uh, it's just something that he used whenever he was out on his own and um, something that he had taught the rest of the company how to use and how to adopt and how to just work through that checklist all the way through. And it was used really like a schedule, had columns for, for schedules and start date, end dates and, and things like that. And so when I came on, I was only building one project. Um, and so I had a lot of time, wanted, realized like, Hey, this builder trend thing is, is I hear some builders doing this. I think we need to, to have something like that. And so I took that lateral sp project management spreadsheet and turned it into our calendar and our to-do list. So I've taken, it took me three months to build it out, but um, I didn't start with the standard builder trend schedule. We built out our own based on that lateral project management spreadsheet. And uh, that's still what we're building off today. So it, it was set as a template. And now we just revise it constantly with new new processes and new things that we need to check, especially with, you know, we went through COVID and, and material shortages and, you know, appliances take a year now, windows take 16 weeks. And so 
um, those are big shifts in the schedule that we've got to plan for. And those are things that we have to be reminded of way ahead of time. And so we're constantly revising that, but that's the, uh, that's been the biggest shift has been using builder trend to keep track of schedules at daily logs. We have a weekly team meeting. We go through the daily logs on every single job, pull up the pictures, pull up the what's happening, look through them as a team. And um, that's been a huge help. We didn't have that five to 10 years ago. And so um, that's been the biggest shift we've had in technology. Other things like, you know, me, um, I came in using an iPhone and, you know, I'm like, oh, I need a, I need a Mac because my, my Mac connects to my iPhone text messages and the notes and it, like efficiency. So anyone that gets a new computer, I'm like, order them, <laughs> order them an Apple product because everyone has an iPhone. So there's, there's efficiencies built into, to Apple that can help us streamline our process that um, may not be as easy uh, when you're using a, a PC. And that's typically what, what companies start out with. And, um, you know, we've, with so many things being receptive to Apple products, there's still things that are a little clunky, but BuilderTrend is a web-based platform. And so it doesn't matter what kind of computer you have, you can pull it up on your, on Google Chrome or, or whatever. And, um, it works great. So, you know, they got the new takeoff software. I can pull that up on my, my Mac and it, it works fine. So little things like that are, are where we're making, making big shifts that we weren't um, doing five to 10 years ago. I love that. I mean, the technology aspect, of course, build a trend. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, as you know, in fact, we're sending they have build a trend university, which is kind of cool. So even though we use build a yeah. trend on everything, I'm sending for my team members because it's that continued education, right? I want them to go and get, you know, further their skill set. Um, your pre-construction process, what does that look like? You know, are you totally involved in design? Are you subcontracting out architecture and interior design? Kind of how does that work from a client reaching out to you, Isaac, and your company to, you know, getting to permit and, and, and to the build? Yeah, so if, uh, if, if you were to come to me today and say um, – you know, what, what does it take to get to start building a home? Um, our standard process and answer is it's going to take around six to eight months on average to get through the, the pre-con process. And pre-con process to us looks like working with, we work with um, subcontract plan designers and architects. So they're not in-house, but we have really good relationships with them. So we know what kind of plans we, we can expect. We, they know the details. We want of the plans. That doesn't mean we have to add a bunch of red lines and, and um, you know, make sure that there are certain things that we know our trades and our vendors are going to need out in the field. Um, that process can take longer than six to eight months, but we're going to work through the plans first and uh and get the plan up into a point where we've got a floor plan elevations maybe an electrical plan and then start making selections off of that recently what we've done is um excuse me um we've in-housed interior design and so um what that's done for us has has been huge it's it's made the into the designer and builder relationship extremely close so we're super in tune with what each other are doing i'm constantly coming in here my dad's constantly coming in here i'm sitting in the design room right now um our our ladies are amazing and they've they've just they're killing it but um we're able to see things that they're designing and go oh i don't know if that'll like how's that going to work in the field how we can, we're already answering those questions in the pre-con process. We're not seeing design boards or design specifications for the first time when we get handed the project. We're able to catch things way ahead of time. But also the architect's able to incorporate the things that the designers have designed. They're, when our architects and our plan designers get our what we call our final red line set of plans, we've gone through it. We've put all additional build notes that we need on the plan. If there's any notes on the site plans or uh, elevations or floor plans that we need, that we know we're going to need on the field, they've got those notes on there. The plan designers and the architects get all the design boards, all the design specifications, any design notes that need to be on the plans are added there. And so um, we're trying to just get everything figured out as much as possible up front during that pre-construction process. 
can that take longer than six to eight months? Absolutely. We've had some that have taken a year and a half. And is that due to customer changing in their mind or plan designers and architects being over busy? Absolutely. But um, typical process, what we see if a customer can make decisions quick and we can work together and stay on top of, top of everyone, six to eight months, we'll cover that. Uh, we do, I know you're super big on, on pre-construction agreements and making sure that your costs are covered during that pre-construction because of how much work you're putting in. And that's something that we have been um, extremely um, disciplined about. We, we do not start that work until we've got a client service agreement is what we call it, but it's a pre-construction agreement. And basically that document says that you intend to build a home with Providential and we're about to enter the design phase of that, of that build. And so um, collect that fee, work through that design process. Once we have plans, design boards, selections, everything made, we've worked with the client through that process. My dad and I will take it from there, do an estimate, and, and we dive into the estimate pretty hard. We're not cost plus, we are fixed price. And so uh, what that does for us is makes us work a lot harder upfront, but we have a lot less trouble during the build. We don't have these cost overruns that the horror stories of cost plus that you, you hear sometimes where the client was, was told a certain number. The builder may have not really done a, a good estimate during the pre-con phase. And he just thought, Oh, we'll figure it out during the build. And then the client is hundreds of thousands of dollars over budget for something that, they didn't know any better on it was, it was our responsibility to, to give them the correct information. So what we've, we've really just taken the mindset that, Hey, let's just go ahead and get it all figured out. Now, this is your final price. The only thing that's flexible in our contract is allowances. And those are your selections as your tile, your hardware, your flooring, anything that can be selected or designed um, like a, you know, a, a, a finishing type of, of product cabinets, trim, those things are flexible because we want the client to be able to have the option to change slightly um, during the build. If they change their mind and we still have plenty of time, let's just say they walk into a friend's home and, and the friend has a super cool light fixture that they didn't think about during the design phase. We, like we want to give them the opportunity. We're not going to tell them no, like this is their home. So um, work through plans, work through interior design, work through the contracts estimate and package that all up together to make a full contract package. Customer signs off on that, hand it to the project management team, and we get to building. This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers. Because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. Their their company culture, their integrity, their honesty. You know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects so for anyone any scale any size they're the ones to call they're here local you know they have an amazing instagram make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing so if you need windows and doors give sammy and adam a call we stand behind pella we love what they do their culture their brand and especially their quality and if you want to learn more about pella windows check our show notes we'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out so it sounds like from the pre-con, I mean, you're really involved, you know, and you mentioned, you, you know, they're signing client service agreements with you from the very beginning, trying to get to a lump sum pretty quick. You have your own design center, which you're in right now. So that makes yeah. a little bit of sense, you know, especially after going through COVID, I understand now it's stabilized quite a bit, the market. How do you protect yourself? Uh, of course, we're not getting into your financials. I don't want to share any of that, but yeah. essentially there, there are target lines, you know, drywall, concrete, 
lumber, you know, framing steel. Um, yeah. How, how do you protect yourself from some of those line items that could go sideways that are not allowances, like maybe some of your finishes that are a little bit open to the client? Yeah, it's a super good question. Um, and I'll be honest, we got hit hard during 2021 and 2022. We had to eat a lot of cost that um, could we have gone back to the client for and asked for more money? I think so. Um, we had never done that to date. We did have to do it on one project, but it's the only project we've ever had to do that on. Um, and the, the customer was not happy, obviously. And um, right. We thought we had our cost covered. We thought we had it had it good, and we had two jobs that lumber alone came in, you know, eighty hundred thousand dollars more. And it, I mean, it just tore us up. We had that across multiple projects, and so um, we had to we had to kind of tread through those waters and and work through that. And you'd think, oh well, you dummy, why don't you just go cost plus if that's what's going to happen? And and for us, we keep track of our, our project costs through QuickBooks. Um, like every single thing is, is tracked constantly. We have an incredible controller and, and um, she keeps all the books super, super tight, super clean. And so I think what gave us the confidence to continue forward with cost plus or with fixed price is watching and learning about lumber trends. That was our biggest thing that we were, we were open to. Um, and we were just constantly researching where, where do we feel like the market's heading, but we were really looking at what history told us, what our past jobs were coming in at and keying into that and going, okay, this project is similar to the one that we're in plan design or pre-construction on spent X amount of dollars on lumber. The market's telling us, or um, we've seen lumber go up X percent over the past couple months. Let's tack that on to this, this, what we spent, fluff it up a little bit to add some buffer, some coverage, because we know we're not going to be purchasing lumber for six months and, um, and hopefully we'll hit it. That has proved really well for us uh, since coming out of that. And we've been able to um, almost pretty much dial in, where our, our hard costs are coming in at on those big items, those concrete numbers, those lumber framing and things like that. We're in super and super close communication with all of our trades and vendors. And so we're, we're constantly asking, Hey, what's coming? What's, and they're open with us. They're letting us know. I had a concrete guy walk in the other day and he's like, Hey, we're, you got, you got a 5% price increase coming next month. And so I'm like, okay, thank you for telling me I can, I can plan for that. I can be prepped for that. And so, um, we got hit pretty hard, but just keeping track of, of historical cost and past job costs have allowed us to feel confident in future projects and know that we're going to be pretty close. We're going we're gonna to almost hit it right on the head. That's incredible. And from a build cycle, to put in perspective, you know, typically what's your build duration? I know you mentioned about eight months of pre-con. When you're building the home, what's that time frame that you're essentially risk, taking the risk on the on the fixed price? Ask that question again. Sorry, I was I was drinking it. Oh, yeah, you're good. So when you mentioned that you're about six to eight months, you know, maybe a little longer in pre-con. Yeah. When you actually begin construction, what's the typical duration for a build? You know, that you're trying to guarantee that fixed price. So on average, I'd say our builds are taking a year to a year and a half to complete. Yeah, so they're uh, we'll not short. Some, it's not short. No, they're not short at all. And so, and so on those, if you were to look at what is fixed and what is an allowance item in our build, it's a lot of the upfront things are fixed, and those are the things we're going to be ordering quick. Those are the 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 site work is is something that's going to happen pretty quick. The concrete is going to happen pretty quick. It's relative. I mean, it's going to happen a few months down the road, but it's not going to happen at the same time. Landscaping would, and landscaping is an allowance item. And so I'm going to, I'm going to be careful not to um, put too much risk on ourselves and fix something that is, I know a year down the road, because that is putting a lot of um, openness on us. And so thankfully a lot of your fixtures and finishes happen toward the end of the project. So all those allowance items that someone can change and, and make little adjustments on are the back half of the project a lot of our fixed price are at the front half and um, 
that's that's really helped us. Obviously, we have to know that you know lumber is something that could take lumber and framing is something that could take six months to get to. If we have we had a project that we spent uh, you know quarter million dollars on just getting the the pad site ready to go build a home on, and so and that process took four, five, six months just to even get there to be able to get to to foundation and frame stage. And so we know if we if we know that's coming, maybe we add a little bit more percentage to know to be able to um, stand the, the test of time just a little bit longer. That's incredible. And so how, how's that looking now? I understand COVID was kind of a mess when you're looking at just fluctuations all over in the last 12 to 18 months, you know, has it been pretty consistent with your projections fixed price based on, you know, when the homeowner closes and moves in? Yeah, we've been able to hit, hit our, our margins pretty well. And um, we're feeling really confident. Obviously you still have things that are changing constantly, but um, it's definitely calmed down. We're feeling a lot better about it, and um, it's it's been going going really well the past six to eight months. That's incredible. And so now, you know, from your market, you know, how how has that expanded with your involvement in the company? Has it changed the scope of work you're working on, the style, size, complexity of homes? You know, how has the company evolved maybe over the last few years and kind of the trajectory of where you're going? Yeah, I think. Um, historically our business model was um we kind of adopted this from from this is probably the only thing we've ever adopted from volume builders but the model home type of business model where we build a spec home that we just sit on for two or three years and what that has allowed us to do is have clients come into a finished home that's not a another client's home and we have an on-site sales rep that is able to show them through what Providential does. That it, you're not walking into someone else's house. Um, just like you work with some high-level people, um, not on a daily basis, but we have worked with some people that I'm like, I would not send anyone through that house. I don't <laughs> want anyone to know whose house that is. And so um, having a model home allows us to not to have that disconnection. What that also, I think, has done for us historically is people just come into the model home and they're like, I love this. Can you go build this exact same house on this lot? Or can you, I love everything about this house except X. Can you go rebuild it? And so what we found was we were really just repeating what the model home was or spinoffs of that. We had a model home. I think we, we sold, you know, 20, 25 clients on it over the several years that we were, we were holding it. And, I don't know how many were spinoffs of that model home and, you know, custom home building, you're like, well, we want everything to be different, but there's also this aspect that it's like, we also want to build what the client wants. And so it seemed like we kind of put ourselves in this own trap where we locked ourselves into building something that was very similar to the last home. Um, and you can even still see this on our Instagram, on, on our social media, you can go through and flip through some of our homes in the past year, two years, six months. And you're like, oh, that kind of feels like the last one. And it's purely because of that. So we're aware of that now, aware that that's kind of what we were ac accidentally doing to ourselves. It was not the intent. We were just trying to help people out, help people get a vision for what a providential home could be. But um, where we're shifting and when we're heading to is, is, we want to be we the, the level of clientele that that we want to build for and that we're slowly getting more and more into they don't want something that looks like anything else they want something one off they want something that is completely different and and they might take small aspects from our model home but overall we had a client the other day walk in with our with our plan design and they're like i want my house to be you and shaped around my pool and it's like all right let's get going like what what does that mean and we just dive into that and so that's we're getting more and more clients like that and so um i think with having our our design team that's new um in-house and having me that's kind of forward thinking and, and realizing that hey guys i think this is what we're doing to ourselves it's really helped us be more aware of 
guiding the customer, guiding the plan designer or the architect on this is, this is their home. Like, do not, like, we want it to be one off. We want it to be whatever they, they want. And ultimately if, if they, if they still keep going back to a past home that we've built, we'll accommodate that, but that's not really what we want to do. We want to build homes that are different homes that are completely just, you know, set apart and something we've never done before. And, um, being aware of that is, I think has been the biggest shift that we've had in the past several years and that homes that you'll see coming up online and that are, that are finishing up their homes that we've never even done anything like them before the homes that are currently under construction. And so it's really exciting to see because I'm like, that's, that's really, that's where I've wanted to, to go with this company. And I think that's where everyone's wanted to go, but we didn't realize we were kind of caught in this trap that we set ourselves into. It's interesting. And, and I know you're building there in the Dallas area uh, and you've done development. I mean, you have your own subdivisions that you built um, from, a, are, are you doing your own development? I mean, from, you know, horizontals, you know, coming in map grading, you know, or is this pre-developed land that you're purchasing and then working with clients to come in and, and, and move into? Yeah, we've um, funny story. So my dad was actually several, several years ago around 2007, 2008 time, um, he told himself, I'm getting completely out of custom home building. I'm going purely into land development and I'm going to hire someone to run that custom home building side. That did not pan out. <laughs> he got himself in, into some, into some deep trouble just with, you know, he was, he was in the middle of a development during 2008 and you can imagine how that went. Um, lots just sitting grass five feet tall and just waiting, waiting, waiting. I mean, he was, he himself was going out and sitting on the, the homes on the weekend trying to get clients to come and just just being patient so i think that kind of scarred him quite a bit in land development he he did quite a few developments it's something i would love to get back into because i i know that we have that ability and have that um that talent um but not something that we currently are pushing for right now we've done some micro developments maybe some a four lot deal buy a strip of land and and build four homes on it right down it but it it's not we're not doing big developments we've really developed good relationships with local developers and we'll kind of follow them around and when they have that one coming online if we're going to be in a development some some houses are just they're com on completely one-off lots those are fun um but the bread and butter right now is getting into a development um as soon as we hear about it, get a sign up, start pre-selling lots, start getting uh, clients to to um, into that development and, and start planning that. We're we're not super big. We're only doing about I'd say on average fifteen to twenty houses a year, um, and so we we're searching. We're not searching for many. We're searching for fifteen to twenty quality clients, and uh, and we want to just be the best we can be for those fifteen to twenty. We don't have the intent to to grow much bigger than that. Um, we're not on this to on this path to to be production. We want to stay custom and and care about quality and craftsmanship all the way through. And and I think that staying small and uh, keeping that kind of family oriented mindset has um, is going to prove well for us. Just because I don't, I've heard so many horror stories of of builders who just feel like. Honestly, honestly, the, the cycle can just continue. You can build this this beast that is so much to manage, and in the, um, you can honestly lose the joy of just building, and uh, really your job becomes nothing but leading tons of people, and you kind of lose touch with the actual building side of the company. And there's going to be an aspect of that. I know that that you say all the time, like um, that. I'm a businessman that happens to do construction. I'm not a construction man that happens to do business. And so I'm, I'm fully aware of that. Like you have to do the business side. You can't just do the construction side all the time. Um, but long story short, would love to do land development more, but not our primary focus right now. Yeah. And, and understand, I think is really key. As you mentioned, I mean, part of the business aspect is really understanding strengths and, and you want to really go at those, right? I mean, if, if that's the strength their business focus on it, double down, right? Because that's that's your niche. 
What what does your marketing strategy look like? How has that evolved as well, especially with you coming in with a little youth, you know, social media, I'm sure, you know, something you're all, all too familiar with. So what does that look like, you know, from a lead generation, you know, for the customers to find you? Yeah. So um, one of the things that I made a big push for was we need to, you know, get an Instagram and set that up multiple years ago. And we've had not really tried super hard to grow it. It's all been just natural. We're not, um, you, you came out with a YouTube video not too long ago. You said you, you pay to play. And, um, and so we have not quite done that yet. And I think we need to, if we really want to get some serious growth from that, I know you're huge on, on Instagram and LinkedIn and you're super disciplined about that. And I think that we can get, um, just like you, our type of clientele, you preach all the time, like your clients is on LinkedIn, they're business type people. And so you, they're going to be searching for that owner of the company on LinkedIn. They might not be the type of person that's on Instagram. You might attract the, the, the younger person or maybe um, a realtor or something like that through Instagram, but, uh, or designers or whoever, but not always do you get, um, that, that client, that business owner, business leader type client from, um, from Instagram. But I don't, it's hard to keep track for us. We haven't had one that we're like, Hey, that, that's a hundred percent came from social media. Um, but we've definitely gotten some good exposure, some good growth on social media. And uh, it's something that I've really tried to, to push along and just get, get our product out there, get that brand awareness, get that, get that name out there. Uh, connect with people. I've I've met so many people and gotten to learn so many things just from from being on social media and being on Instagram. We started a YouTube channel not too long ago, and, and right now we're putting our um, we have video photography, Matterports, and um, final photos of every single house we build. That uh, one we use for documentation and just to see our product when we're done. But also we throw those videos up on YouTube. And uh, right now we're just kind of storing them there, allowing people to watch them. Eventually, we're currently shooting videos, um, about to shoot one next week, that will be our first video where we've done face-to-face, me on the camera, walking through a home, walking through the frame, all the way through to the finished um, home. And I think we're just going to keep taking steps toward that. And if we can have more of a personal connection on social media, I think we'll get more sales from that. But for now, we're just kind of working that steady growth and just posting and, and getting our name out there. Yeah. But I think what's interesting, Isaac, and you kind of comment on this, I mean, really it's touch points, right? I mean, you think about all the different touch points. Let's say that if anyone such yourself, uh, and again, the followers don't really matter, right? It's, it's loyal following yes. right? kind of builds a brand, but essentially to your point, even if you don't have a million followers, it doesn't really matter because how you have utilized it, you know, you're connecting with your design community, with your architectural community, you're connecting with, you know, suppliers and subcontractors. And so it's a network of people and, you know, leads come from all different um, avenues. And, and even more importantly for you, I know you reached out to me, you've reached out to other builders. And so you have a desire to learn more just about your field and construction knowledge. And so if anything, it can be a resource to, for touch points. It can be a research for continuing education, um, networking, which is really powerful for you and I. And so there's just a lot of value, even if you're not getting maybe a phone call and say, Hey, I, Isaac, come build my $20 million home. Cause I saw you on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. No, it, uh, definitely. It's, um, it's just, it's a huge tool. I'm, I'm a big, uh, you know, Matt Reisinger fan and just learned a ton from him at the same time that I was learning from you as well. I know he's been on the podcast a couple of times and, and, um, you know, he gets in the weeds on things and he does post everything on social media, post everything on Instagram, just all behind the scenes stuff. And so get to learn on that aspect. You know, you post a lot of, of just walkthroughs of finished homes and you get to see the caliber of these homes. You've got projects like Project Blow Your Mind that you're just, <laughs> you're showing all the ins and outs of it and all the complexities. And um, we wouldn't see that if we weren't on social media. And so I'm constantly sending I'm, I'm constantly archiving and saving posts or, or new techniques or things on, on Instagram where I'm sending stuff to the team and say, Hey, watch this. This is why we do this. And, 
And so it's been a huge tool in that aspect. Um, I do see a time coming where we'll have some, have a lot more lead generation from social media. But like you said, for now, it's, it's more than just that. It's, it's a, it's a learning platform as well. It's funny. And then I I think the, uh, and I don't even want to say one of the negatives, but one of the funny things about social media, I mean, you mentioned, Hey, why aren't we doing this on our projects? And I've done that too to my team, like seeing a different technique or product, you know, that's pretty innovative. Uh, or it could be something as a, like a waterproof membrane. I'm like, why aren't we using this? Um, mm-hmm. or maybe you have a client says, okay, Isaac, um, I saw that picture you posted last time. Why don't we do it in the, my, in my house? Can we do a change yeah. order? Yeah. And, and I've had a few of those, but, um, you know, social media, there's, there's a lot of benefit to it. What, what keeps you up at night? You know, some of the pain points, um, maybe you individually, um, as well as the company that, that you're kind of going through. I, uh, I take this business to heart. I take it uh, very seriously. And, uh, and there's been times that, um, you know, you get a, I think <laughs> to answer it shortly, difficult clients sometimes are what keep me up at night. Um, and just trying to maintain a reputation. Um, I'm constantly worried that, you know, I, I don't want anyone just, I don't want to just shove someone to the side and not answer their question or not be honest with them. And that lead to a bad review on Google or bad, bad feedback to other clients, every other potential clients, neighbors or anything like that. I care a lot about our reputation. So, um, you know, I have clients that, although I don't like to check my email after, after work, you, you tend to do that clients that email you at eight, nine o'clock at night and, you know, they're unhappy about something and I know it can be fixed. I know it's not a problem. I'm not super concerned about it, but it's like the, their, their um, reputation of us on that particular thing. If they, if they don't know my reasoning for that, or they don't know why something is like that, uh, or maybe they're unhappy with something, it's, that's what has really uh, I've had to learn that this this business is the type of person that can afford these homes. Most of the time, they're a pretty particular person, and so and rightfully so, they're investing a lot of money. Um, and so, just communicating with them constantly and making sure that they're happy and uh, and and not they most of those people have a lot of ability to go and 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 bash your company or bash your name and you don't want that they don't want that but the reality of it is with with social media especially going back to that like if someone's got a big following on social media you don't want your you don't want them to be posting about how providential or whoever didn't serve you like I'm, I'm constantly aware. I'm constantly thinking about that stuff. I'm constantly thinking about our reputation and just taking care of people. So I think that's what keeps me up at night the most when you have the the typical contractor uh, issues or problems or little job site problems that you run into that you got to work through on a day-to-day basis. But um, it's, I think it's customers that really boggle, boggle my mind and kind of take up my mind space in the evenings. Uh, I can relate to that. I don't know. There's something, yeah. about <laughs> you know, and it's not that you're trying to be a people pleaser. The reality is we want to do a good job. We want to have a good reputation. It's a tough business. And it's not that, um, you know, there's always going to be people that maybe don't like you. That's fine. You know, I, I, I can handle that. But I think it's a disappointment for a customer when you want to do a good job, you want to perform, you have a brand that you're selling and building and you want to make sure that the customer experience lines up with that, which, which can be really tough. You know, that I've talked about this on the podcast before and we spent a lot of time as a company is the difference between customer experience and customer service. And they're, they're big. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah. there's, there's a big difference in the customer experience. Yeah. It's really hard to map out the projects you and I are doing. These are really long relationships there's, um, you know, thousands of people and products involved, you know, they're very complicated. And so managing that customer experience, that entire, um, moment that they have throughout this building process is difficult. It's difficult to always be completely on key with them. Right. It, it definitely isn't. I heard you say that in the podcast, uh, not too long ago when I, I came in immediately to our next project management meeting, our, our company meeting was like, Hey, 
customer experience is different than customer satisfaction. Kind of explained what I learned from you on that, and just the customer experience is is the entire build. Customer satisfaction is in the moment. Are they satisfied with that that one response or that one thing that got installed or that one particular uh, part of the the build? But customer experience is they are happy with the year and a half process. I've got a client right now. I've been talking to since December of 2020 and I will finish his home in two weeks. That's, and he is a very happy client. He's already singing our praises about uh, and bringing more clients to us. And I'm so thankful. I mean, that's a huge blessing to us. So thankful for that. But maintaining that customer experience for three years is not an easy task. And, but I think being aware of the differences and being aware of that, and if our entire team can be aware of that, I think that's really what's going to set everyone apart is knowing that there is a difference and knowing that it matters. What do you attribute to that? When you look at that customer specifically, you mentioned this has been a three-year relationship and of all timing since COVID 2020, when it's been really hard to Mm -hmm. build. Um, What sets that client apart from others to why that was so successful? Um, They've allowed us to, build a relationship with them. They came from, they had some past experiences that were not good with past builders. And and some people, especially building some of their final homes, they've built before and they've, most of them have had some bad experiences. And so um, we're aware of that. It's something we ask them at the very beginning. Have you built before? How was it? Um, Knowing that has allowed us to kind of, know how to serve that client and know how to respond to certain situations. This is a type of person that appreciates communication, appreciates um, being up front. And, and just, he says all the time, he's like, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be picky. I just want to know. I just want to know what's going on. And so, and it, it truly he does. And so just explaining like, Hey, here's what's next. Uh, this particular person is, going back to builder trend for just a second, we're not fully involved with our clients on builder trend just yet. Um, we've, we're not, the entire team is not kind of ready for that, but with this client, I've allowed them and I've, I've done that with them. So they're seeing acts, they're seeing the timeline, they're seeing the daily logs, they're seeing the photos. And so, and he'll call me and just be like, Hey, uh, what, what was this? Can you just let me know? And so clear communication, but him allowing us to kind of him trusting us that we've done this. We have tons of happy clients. We know what we're doing. We have your best interests at heart and allowing us just to run has, uh, has been a huge help and a huge um, just benefit uh, for, for that relationship is, is the trust aspect. It's funny you say that because I wrote it down. I think my deal clients a second time, home builder as well, someone that's built a home before. Um, mm-hmm. I think with you and I, there's a lot of confidence in our process and systems that I'm at, that, you know, again, we're not the best, you know, we're trying to make changes every day, but I am confident that if a customer would come to us, they'd, they'd have a different experience. You know, the first time it's hard yeah. because that's all they know. So you're trying to set every expectation. Um, so again, Isaac, I mean, I know you've had a busy schedule and I appreciate you making time today for us. Um, on a personal note, what do you do for fun? I've got a two-month-old daughter. Um, oh, that's so that's I'm, really I'm, fun. That's a ton of fun. <laughs> I'm she's still so, awake. <laughs> no, she's uh, she's sleeping like a champ right now. We're super super thankful and blessed. She's sleeping um, about seven or eight hours a night, which I know is not wow. normal. And so I'm like, I'll I'll keep that quiet. Um, but my kids took about hey, a year to get to that point. So I don't I don't know what happened. I don't know what why it's like that. But uh, we're we're thankful for it. So hanging out with her, hanging out with my wife, um, try to mountain bike. We've got, um, some local lakes around here that have quite a few trails around them. I know Texas doesn't have many mountains, but they've got some trails. And so, uh, get out with, with friends and, and go do that, stay in fit. Um, if I can fish every now and then I'll do that and get my mind off of things, catch some fish. But, um, yeah, really it's, it's just hanging out with the family and, and spending time with them. Yeah, well, you can't go wrong there. Congrats on the two-month-old. That's super fun. Fun, A lot, lot of fun times ahead. Some stressful moments, but more fun than that, So, which is good. Certainly. 
Um, what do you have that's upcoming and exciting? Upcoming and exciting. Um, finishing that, that home that I've been working with that client for three years. Um, <laughs> and they're super excited. So am I. Um, just we've got a lot of cool you projects coming on board. I do. If I interrupt I, you, probably, you probably want to hurry get it done so you can keep that relationship on the high. I, I definitely do. But at the same time, we always say we're not, we're never going to sacrifice quality for speed. And that's something I'm not afraid yeah. to say to them. And so, um, and they know that. So, uh, we're getting close to finishing that one up. We've got a lot of cool projects coming on, um, on board and, uh, we're just super excited for that. And, uh, yeah. Well, that's incredible. Why? I really appreciate making time, Isaac, and, and, joining our audience today. So for those listening, where can they find you? At Providential Custom Homes on Instagram, um, breathlesshomes.com. Right now, we are going through a website revamp and it will turn into providentialcustomhomes.com soon. But uh, for now, breathlesshomes.com. And um, yeah, look us up So on Instagram and, and uh, on Google. Awesome. Well, Isaac, thanks again, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate it. If you give value from the show, please support us by giving a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you listen to. And I also have a favorite ask. We've had some incredible guests that come on and share their wisdom, their knowledge about their business. So if you have friends or family members that could benefit from those episodes, please share it with them, as well as any other business owners that you're networking with that could get value from the podcast or certain episodes. Please share those as well. Again, subscribe. Make sure you're following any questions that you have, topics, We've had uh, listeners reach out about certain guests that we should have on the show. Again, brad.l at aftconstruction.com. Email me for topics to address, guests that we should have on, and even if you think you'd be a great guest for the show. So again, thank you for all your support, and we'll see you next time.